Welcome back to A Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. And this is our review of Netflix's Masters of the Universe. I have the power! No, I don't. Netflix just released of Kevin Smith's rebirth, if you will, or reboot of Masters of the Universe. Notice it's not He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. By the way, there will be spoilers. If you want to hit pause, go watch the series, come back. It's not that long. It's five episodes. It's about two hours. You can just watch it real quick. Ivan, you saw it. Your first impressions. Overall, I would say it was not bad. It was actually... Um... They sell it to be like a, a He-Man show, even though it's titled Masters of the Universe. Like, mm -hmm. if you watch the trailer, it looks like it's going to be like He-Man-centric. And then it was, even though it's a kid-based, you know, cartoon, it's a little bit more mature. Ooh, it's yeah. a lot more mature. Yeah, you definitely yeah. see characters that I was like, did they just really kill off this character? And and did they show like how they're killing off this character? And of course, if anything, it focused more on Tila. And I think that's yes. where some people had issues with in, in the way they focused on her. But overall, like as the, my favorite part was like the side characters. Actually, most of the side characters. Triclops, played by Henry Rollins. Yeah, one of my was cool. favorite adaptations. I know that was divisive because some people didn't even like that. Evil Lynn, I liked yes. her development. And this, I could say, probably is definitive. Orko was the favorite. It made it more real. We get to learn about these characters through this five-episode arc. By the way, what's up? What's up? What's up? I got, to, I got to wear the shirt. Come on. If you're going to do a review on it, I got to wear the He-Man shirt. I know you do. In the series that we watched when we were kids after school, Mm -hmm. It just gave stories, basic violence, basic plot, a learning thing. Since it was an after-school show, a lot of kids saw, you know, hello, after school. There's a little learning at the end. Yeah, a little PBS. Uh... Yeah, kind of like a G.I. Joe thing. The more now you know, yeah, it's half the battle. Here we get, again, that more character development and it becomes more grounded and more relatable for many people. One of the things I liked... The voice acting. Yes, they had like an all-star cast. The person who played He-Man and Adam was Chris Wood. You may have seen him on Supergirl. He was mon mm -hmm. You have Sarah Michelle Geller. She was Tila, yep. who was also Buffy, Lena Headley. You know her from Game of Thrones. You have Mark Hamill playing Skeletor. And you have Tiffany Smith playing Andra, the techie girl that was Tila's uh, partner. Diedrich Bader, who was Trapjaw, King Randor. He's also known for his stint on as Batman of uh, uh, Babe in the Babe Babe Brave and Bold. Bold. I'm sorry, it's kind of early for me. I just finished working out, and, and, and you have Liam Cunningham, who played Man of Arms. Yeah, he's from also Game of Thrones. I think he's one of the perfect matches that we had on this series. You have Susan Essenberg, who plays uh, Sorceress. She's done a lot of video games, voice acting. Justin Long, who was Roboto. And, and I'll go back to him later in a sense how he played Roboto because he sounded like someone else. Um, you have Griffin Newman, who played Orko, who was from The Tick. That's right. That was Arthur. Kevin Michael Richardson, who's well known in uh, voiceover work. He was Beastman. He was the Joker in The Batman. Henry Owens, as he said, it was Triclops. And you have Dennis Hasbert as King Grayskull. You know, 
the guy from Allstate. He's also got a Lucifer. Another spoiler. There you go. Phil Lamar as Hero. You know him from playing Green Lantern on Justice League. You have Alicia Silverstone as Queen. You know Alicia Silverstone from all the movies she's done, like mm -hmm. Clueless. Um, I can't remember any other ones. Jason Mewes, who was who's Kevin Smith's buddy from Clerks and all that stuff, played Stinkor, pretty appropriate. And is either more. I know that there's more actors in there, but we have Kevin Conroy playing Merman. You know him all. We all know him as Bruce Wayne, Batman. So that's pretty much the majority of the cast. And I thought they were great. Only thing my only gripe with is with Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. Their voices are so iconic and so noticeable that I can't help think of Bruce Wayne and Batman when I hear Merman. And I can't help think of the Joker when I hear Skeletor. And especially in one of the lines in... Was it the fifth episode, maybe? Yeah, the fifth episode. You did, goody, Linny. It just says Joker talking to Harley. It did. That line, in the way he did it, it sounded just like Joker yeah. speaking to Harley. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I don't remember I him ever calling evil Lin Linny. In yeah, the, uh, he did. He did? Oh, not the in original? the... No, not in the original. Just here. Then No, that's what I'm saying. Like in the original He-Man, I don't ever remember him calling him, uh, calling her Linny. And if that was like a going trope, then mm -hmm. that would make sense. But here it just sounds like they just maybe improv that or they told him to like come up with something like a mm -hmm. nickname for her. Just real quick, two more voices that I failed to mention. You also have mm -hmm. Tony Todd who played Scarecrow and you have Alan Oppenheimer. He played Mossman and he's also the actor from the original series that played Skeletor, that played Beastman, that played Man of Arms, Cringer, Merman, Roboto. He was pretty much the main voice of the original series from all the villains pretty much, mm. but he reprised his role as Mothman, just I guess for Easter egg and honor him for all his work. And he's still alive, so he can do it. I do like Mark Hamill voicing Skeletor, but there were like the tone in some of the moments is where he sounded like the Joker and kind of made it hard to differentiate the two. Right. And that Lenny moment was definitely one of those because of the fact that uh, it wasn't in the, the original lore of the, of the show. I don't remember any moments like that. Well, he did have some moments here and there where he kind of broke out of character, but not much. No, here it was a little more free. What I like about this show, it's not necessarily a reboot, but more of a sequel because there's no origin story here what origin we get is in the opening credits where man of arms is speaking about the history of grayskull who's the protector and who's trying to take it out pretty much similar to how it was done in the original series where he-man is talking about it but this is man of arms giving the story and we go right into pretty much the death or disappearance of He-Man and Skeletor. And then it reverts into finding a new defender of Grayskull. Technically, they don't, they don't find a new defender. They no, but they kind of steer that way. You think it's going to be Tila because it is her story in this. Because mm -hmm. we don't see He-Man or Skeletor. Because they get killed the, off in the first episode. And we don't see them until the fourth and fifth is all pretty much her story. And, and how she's dealing with the portrayal of not knowing Adam and He-Man were the same person. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Lois Lane not knowing that Superman and Clark Kent is the same person. Other people knew, Man of Arms knew, Battle Cat, Orko, the Sorceress knew, the Queen knew, the King did not know, which led to throwing out Man of Arms. Well, technically in that end, he's no longer Man of Arms, he's Duncan, because the title of Man of Arms went to Tila. And that's when after she got that title, she found out who He-Man and 
and Adam were the same person. With that, this disappearance of He-Man and Skeletor is kind of like how any country goes without a leader. They represented order and chaos, the balance. And when I'm gone, there was no balance. That's how I saw it. Um, how did you see it? Did you see it that same way or were you, you no. saw it differently? Well, I took it more literally what they were doing because the whole idea of the, the cities and people going into ruins was because magic was leaving Eternia. And the whole reason magic was leaving Eternia was because the method that He-Man dies in episode one is severs the sword. And the sword is like a mm -hmm. conduit that channels magical power into Eternia. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. how come like when he says, I have the power and becomes a champion, it's him gaining more access to the magical power so it's channeling through him. It's like an uber steroid that happens every time he does it. Which was very reminiscent to how it was done in the original. But I just find it a little cheesy where they're going by his ass. <laughs> When they're, they're they're circling him around and goes by his his ass and then it, then the loincloth comes around. That's very Sailor Moonish. All right, I was like, okay, yeah, get a little. There's little touches but, of like Kevin Smithisms, his <laughs> his thing, and we'll get onto that. But uh, okay. the the fact of the matter is like the sword is the key that is the conduit. That's why everybody wants the sword because it it, it focuses all that power into them. But in the death scene for him. Because basically, this is the one moment that Skeletor wins, arguably. Are you talking about the end? No, the beginning. And that's how come they both die. Because Skeletor acquires power, but he can't control it. And mm. He-Man sacrifices himself, but in, in turn, as the image behind us shows the sword splits in two and it wasn't meant to split in two. So it no longer is focusing the power back into Eternia. It's like you take a James Bond villain hideout that's in like a, you know, a volcano or something like that. If that volcano starts erupting or if it freezes over, you no longer have a uh, stable power source. And it's just going to just start crumbling or whatever. In like all the movies, they always start like crumbling right. or they all start falling apart. That's what's happening to Eternia. And that's the premise of the show for the most part that Eternia is dying and because it has no life source. So right. they need pe uh, people to bring it back and they unify our side characters. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of, of the premise of Rhea and the Last Dragon. Yes. Especially with the orb. The only difference is they have the death creatures. Oh, yeah. There are some Easter eggs mm -hmm. throughout the series, be it to the original series, be it to um, each actor's background, to other movies, other franchises, where Skeletor and He-Man face. Skeletor says, let this be the final battle. That's a direct quote from Dolph Lundgren's Master of the Universe. When Skeletor said it to He-Man and they clashed sword to staff. I was like, okay, I'll take that. I appreciate what you're doing right there. And it pretty much was their last battle. So he kind of pretty much called it. It's kind of fitting. Each episode is around 25 minutes on the average. If you take away the end credits and you just go right into the next one, very easy to binge watch. And it's enjoyable that you don't feel like it's getting long. It just, it goes a nice pace from one to another. I thought it was pretty good. Episodes are titled... Power Grayskull, where we have the death of Skeletor and He-Man and Tila finding out. Then you have 
the poison chalice. And I just found it funny on the second episode where you have the glove of globular. I just found it funny how like the names are like related to where they live. The, well, that was the, how the, the show story. was too in the original. Right. But I just, you know, seeing it now, I'm just like everything rhymes. Found it cute. Uh, you have the, then, you know, in the sense of what happens when two powerful beings disappear, pretty much chaos ensues led by triclops and trapjaw at the cult which i thought was cool i mean that kind of happens where people are lost and you have someone who comes in as the false prophet as the false savior but also people uh argue that that's part of kevin smith's mo he has a thing about anti-religion or something like that from what i heard true but it but he's not wrong or you know, we don't have enough time to go that deep into the discussion a lot of times you know people are lost so they'll follow something that makes sense to them or that they don't have to think about it true i like that uh the tila fight scene where she faces trap jaw and triclops that was done very well the way she moved the sword and her sword her weapon was kind of cool it was attributed from man of arms i guess because it changed from a staff to a sword to i believe a whip at one time it changed mm-hmm. it was a multiple faceted weapon it couldn't help but remind me of like a lightsaber at times when it went to a sword oh uh, just the blade was just come yeah. up yeah like retracting and whatnot then you have episode three the most dangerous man of eternia and that goes into uh alliance was formed mm-hmm. with evil in beast man tila and her friend, which I can't remember right now. Well, it goes and into Evil Lynn, Roboto. Point of that title that happens was for Man of Arms, though. In episode three, because that's what Evil Lynn said that, that she thought was the most dangerous man. Mm-hmm. And they show why. And here we get Kevin Conroy as Merman. During the Merman scene, his accolades, his warriors, the animation, it reminded me of, the, of Invincible. Somewhat of the art, same art style. I can see that. I mean, I, I've seen that happen like uh, during certain scenes, a lot of animations where the style will get similar. And a lot of times it's because it's kind of cookie cutter-ish and it's like a form of budget sa- uh, savings. So that that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I liked it. I, I like how the art was done in this, the animation. Yeah. The animation was, I think, was pretty damn good. It was similar to the old style. The reboot that they had and it combined the two well and i just like the fact that almost everyone is freaking jacked even orko he's freaking ripped and that's pretty much how it was in the old episodes everyone was jacked even though they didn't do anything they'll just be like slobs but they're a freaking diesel uh we have episode four land of the dead which reminded me a possible scene of a star wars movie as if maybe from the last jedi where ray goes down into the hole and she goes through all being tested and stuff where here is tila being tested by scareglow yeah now I'm just thinking that's maybe that's Kevin Smith's way of putting his touch of how he would have liked that scene with Ray in The Last Jedi. I don't know. Could be, could not be, but it just felt that way. And then we have here, we get Orko's origin. And that reminded me of how Hordor got his name. Nope. Well, remember? yeah, I know how Hordor got his name. I, I did not see the connectivity. <laughs> well, I know they're supposed of- to be shorter. Uh, like right. it, it means something else and right. everybody just well, misunderstood that, well that's what i mean with orko it was different he like a lot of kids they can't say certain words exactly right so they do it as they best they can mm-hmm. 
And so Orco is an abbreviation version of Oracle, became a nickname. With Hordor, it was like a time machine kind of thing happening where... It was a stutter kind of situation, and it was hold the door. But it became hold door, hold door, and which was a very powerful scene on that show of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And this was pretty deep in essence as well. Even though it was something simple, but it's just how he looked at himself and how others looked at him. Just to finish that note for me about Oracle, the whole idea of the name representation was his parents believed that he was going to be something special. That's why they named him Oracle. The whole fact that he ended up with Orco as his nickname was also representative of how he saw himself. He never saw himself as his parents did. And he had self-conscious issues and he, he felt very much as a failure as far as being able to complete magic and do his skills. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the things he was afraid of that he couldn't support his friends, that he didn't support his friends in actuality. Uh, and that's how and, you know he lost people. Because he couldn't do these things. And he couldn't he, see his own people, too. It was like a mental block. Exactly. That he put on himself. And that, but then we see at the end of the episode, he finds his strength. Mm-hmm. He finds his confidence. Unfortunately, he sacrificed himself to save his friends. And which is one of the most badass moments, too. In the, oh, and, I thought so, too. I just recently went to a Comic-Con and, like... I've talked to people about it, and everybody's like, that's the best moment in the entire show. Uh, (laughs) Arguably. There was a many like, oh, snap, oh, snap, because you thought he would fail. And then he just conjured up, he just mustered up even more. His confidence even got bigger. His approach, or his magic got stronger. You know, unfortunately, Scareglow got him, but still, it it was a perfect way to die. Yeah. Now, also, in here, we have Roboto. The way Justin Long played him, I was like, where have I heard this mannerism before? The Donnelly, Baymax, Big Hero 6. Okay. The way he was talking is like, do you need assistance? Are you in, in peril? Are you hurt? And it's like, of course, I'm not doing the same way that he's doing it. But the mannerism, the cadence did sound like that. And it was kind of cool. He's like almost a carbon copy of a younger version of Men at Arms. Also in episode one, we had a carbon copy of He-Man with Faker, which was pretty cool. You didn't know what's going on. You would have been lost. Like, what the hell? Why is He-Man grabbing the sorceress like that? Yeah. Right. And then you see He-Man and then you see Adam. But what was cool about Adam, in difference of the original series, he is not as huge as He-Man. He is a smaller version. Yeah. He's kind of like Billy Batson in Shazam. Well, they took that from the the uh, 2000 remake that you saw uh, mentioned earlier. Not right. the, the original He-Man. He was jacked all around. And I believe this series is originally a comic book by, in, with Dark Horse and written by Kevin Smith. Maybe. I, I didn't yeah. read the, the comics of He-Man. Yeah, I, I believe so. And then you have, I'm sorry, but they go to Preternia. That's supposed to be Heaven. And I just find it funny, Preternia, as the land of pretty. And I just, again, another kick I got out of that. Then we have the last episode. Well, on the end of that episode, of episode four, we see that they go into there. We see Prince Adam there. And then it cuts and it goes right into the following episode right away. The Forge at the Forest of Forever. Heaven. Well, they say not everybody gets there. It's only like it's a reward for those who... Kind of like Vikings with Valhalla. Yes. Here we have the death of... Two people. Roboto dies here. Reforging the sword. And it was kind of funny in a way that when it happens, he's like, oh, damn. Because he yes. realizes like he's so close. 
I kind of chuckled. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have. It was the way he did it. His death reminded me of Pinocchio, where the wooden puppet becomes boy, mm-hmm. where he, as a robot, he fears death. That moment becomes human, yeah. which is pretty deep if you look at it that way. I mean, granted, we don't really know his backstory too much. To, uh, he was created by Man of Arms, and everything that Man of Arms knew. Yeah, he was robot, supposed to be like a, like a wannabe son. Very Pinocchio-ish. Or like a uh, Boba Fett and Django Fett. Okay. Remember he had... I'll give you that. He had, yeah. He wanted... Because Django wanted us a clone of his own that to raise. And then we hear... We see we're in heaven and we see Prince Adam. Mm-hmm. And we find out that they're in heaven. And all... We have King G- Grayskull, which was Grayskull was named after. Because he was like the first... Champion. Was he the first champion or was yes, it he Hero? Was. No, Hero was another uh, champion that came in, but they, they do clearly say that Grayskull was the very first, first champion. Then you have other past champions, which was kind of funny. Then you have like the, the, the female. She spoke a different language. But she was but, still a champion. But she was dressed as a sorceress, like a made-up outfit of the sorceress. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't remember her character like overall. Me, yeah. A lot of them were like other characters, I'm sure, that were on the show. Uh, and they just re reimagined them. Yeah. I mean, the, for the most part, that episode was more just we need to form the sword and a little bit of discussion and filler. Because you would think Tila would get some closure from Adam from the whole death thing, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. There was no real closure no. for her in that. It was more like a as a plot point to lead into episode five, where they were going to bring in and bring back Adam. Episode 4 was more about hell or purgatory where episode 5 was heaven. Again, religious here as you can see. I did like overall the relationship built with Evil Lynn and Orko and how they could relate and that you follow the wrong people you go down the wrong path. Almost similar to how it was done at the end of each episode of He-Man and the Master Universe where there's a little learning lesson. Here, you're seeing it without really no breaking the fourth wall explanation. But in this episode, there was a oh damn moment. What moment was that? When they think they're winning. And then Evelyn looks at her the skull from Skeletor's uh, scepter starts mm-hmm. floating out from her like her side and she's like what and then all of a sudden adam is literally stabbed in the back and they show the stabbing dude i mean they i was like this is not strictly for kids anymore well i mean this is for my generation they did that with like when they show uh uh, was it steel jaw i mean trap jaw trap jaw yeah his face was uh like kind of have i'm like whoa i'm like that's pretty graphic oh did they know they didn't show it they showed his head split. No, they showed the aftermath. They, uh, you see a they laser. The, you see a laser like this, and then they show the aftermath. It's still showing a split but head. What, the homegirl, she hit a button, and the saw came out, and it went right to his head, and then it cut to that, and then we see the aftermath when he's down. Then oh, you that see that was steel jaw. I'm sorry, that was steel jaw. Means trap jaw. I call him steel jaw. <laughs> it's trap jaw. But yes, there was other, and there was other characters that had no. similar moments. And you're like, Jesus. Um, okay, okay, cool. This show was not made for regular television. It was made for like Netflix or Amazon. They didn't hold back. The only thing they, they would have taken over if there was a sex scene, which I'm glad they didn't do. Yeah. It would have just taken me out of the whole series. When they killed off Adam for the second time in one series, I was like, holy damn, because he thought it was all good. When he's about to say, I have the power, yet he's cut off. And the season ends with Skeletor. Claiming the power. And saying those lines. And the way he looked, it was like, 
even more like Montrositis. It was, it kind of reminded me of the character from uh, Ragnarok. I want to say the whole thing that him being bigger than the statue was more uh, artistic view. Because I, I feel like when we come back, he's not going to be bigger than the castle. He's going to be like hu like human size, but like He-Man big. You're right. It could be an artistic thing. But that cliffhanger gets me excited for season two. Yeah. Because now it just flipped the switch on what we grew up expecting. If you read the comic books, you probably know what's going to happen. You probably have an idea. But since I have not read Master of the Universe Revelations, I don't know. And I like that. I, I like not knowing everything. I like being surprised. Hopefully they you know, stay on point. If you're going to make something new, as long as you honor the original, I'm good. If you flip the switch 180, I'm like, what the hell? But so far that hasn't. Even though it was pretty much a Tila story, but it wasn't Tila. It wasn't like Tila's going to be the next masters of the universe. She wasn't going to take the mantle. I thought she was at one time. I thought she was going to be like the no, Shira. They No, they do hint at it, that she's going to be something important because at right. several points, Sorceress, a Skull Glow, and then uh, even Man-at-Arms and even Adam as He-Man all say, we like, there's something we need to tell you. And Skull Glow's like, what are you? She's definitely gonna right. By right. part two, I have money down. She's gonna be She-Ra. Well, I'm thinking that she's related to Sorceress. Isn't that like in the comic thing in the show? What? How she becomes She-Ra? No, no. She-Ra's uh, the cousin of Prince Adam. I thought that was Tila. No, Tila's no. Tila's the the, the daughter of Man of Arms. Uh... You forgot that part. You did, didn't you just watch the show? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about in uh, the original. I thought she no, would. no, no. But I'm just thinking that she may be the daughter of Man of Arms and Sorceress mm. for some reason. I think they had a little. So that's why I'm thinking the Sorceress knows why she's so important. I could be wrong. It could be something else. Maybe she's the next to take up the mantle. The next champion. I don't know. I like it. That's all I do know. Because uh, even like Grayskull said, like, there, there will always be a new champion. He's like, you don't have to go back. They'll make a new champion. When He-Man's going, leaving heaven to go back, it was exactly, it's like, dude, relax. You did your job. You're here. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. It was pretty much greedy and selfish on his part, I thought. But I understand. He thought he was yeah. leaving Eternia in good hands, but it didn't work out that way. But he dies again. I kind of saw it coming in the sense that like they they keep foreshadowing like if you go back and you die again you you can't come back and then True. the fact that the matter that the, he was just having to come back so i kind of knew like a he was coming back and then b like uh, they're at least gonna try killing him mm. i just didn't see it being that way yeah i mean i'm just looking forward to season two i am definitely that like i, I want to know what's going to happen will prince adam be resurrected again will tila become the new master of the universe will evil lynn turn to the side of good which be good lynn Will we know more of her backstory of Tila? Will Orko come back? We have to wait and find out. Guys, if you enjoy the series as much as we did, please make a comment below. Also, make sure you subscribe and hit that like button for future notifications. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I am Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you too.